Welcome to the I Lead Podcast, a podcast dedicated to developing you into the leader that can lead in any room. Your host and guide is Dr. G. Vincent Dudley Sr. Dr. Dudley is a leader of leaders. He has his Ph.D. in organizational leadership. He earned his Doctor of Ministry with a focus on entrepreneurship and church planting. He is a John Maxwell Associate Trainer and an Adjunct Professor for Strategic Leadership at North Central University. Dr. Dudley retired from the Air Force as a lieutenant colonel. He has started several businesses, but his greatest achievement is that of founding senior pastor of New Life, one of the fastest-growing churches in the St. Louis metropolitan area. Let's join Dr. Dudley and co-host Jeffrey II for another instructional, inspirational, and informative session. Gil and Renee married 37 years, a marriage filled with leadership lessons for marriage and family. They have a podcast, an app, now a book packed with leadership insights on how to recover marriages, restore marriages, and make good marriages even better. The title, Our Marital Code to Oneness, is available right now in the ebook will be available September the 7th on Amazon, where everybody's things is on Amazon. Right. You cannot miss what they are offering. Gil, Renee, welcome. It is our pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, you know what? I'm the one that is more than honored uh, to have this. You guys, you're so awesome. I can't even believe that at one point you were in my congregation. What a guy was I? What kind of pastor was I? But you're a great pastor. We just were, you know what? It's so funny you say that because when we were at the church back those a few years ago, we were just sitting. We never knew it would come to this point, yeah. you know. We, we were just kind of like um, soaking it all in. Soaking all the leadership and knowledge in. Yes. <laughs> we can practice it now. You are absolutely practicing it now, and the body of Christ is the better for it. Let me ask you a question. What prompted you to write the book? Well, you know, I think for us, writing has probably been one of those things that were dormant in our heart, and it gave us an opportunity to really take all the years we've lived and experiences we've had and leave a legacy. And so I think the thing that really motivated us was purpose and a desire to really leave a lasting legacy for the next generation and just for our family and the people we love and care about. Well, Bishop, I'm going to step out a little bit and, and go off a little bit from there because I'm not a writer at all. <laughs> you know, from a, you know, I know you, you talk about leadership a lot because even from that standpoint, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, doing this because Renee was the, literally the writer and she has already been penning books and doing things. And but I was kind of on the sideline, more of a support role. And but you'll be surprised when you're in that support role, you're still leading in certain aspects in helping someone get to the next level, what they're trying to do. You're so right. And um, you said, okay, Bishop, I really wasn't into writing. Renee was the writer, so on and so forth. But what comes to my mind, Gil, is this Uh, Dean John Kenny, the retired uh, seminary dean for Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology, my alma mater. He said this, and I'll never forget it. Uh, he says that as African-Americans, we do not write enough. Mm-hmm. We have such a strong oral tradition that comes out of the Eastern culture, comes out of Africa, the motherland, that we have passed along things from generation to generation orally. Not that we were illiterate. Right. Not at all. But our literacy was from the oral tradition that we have and the fact that you have now turned the oral tradition into a now narrative that is written does exactly what you said, Renee. And that is it's for generations Um, when you are in heaven and you are enjoying the presence of the Lord, there will be somebody reading this book. And that's awesome because that was kind of one of the catalysts, you know, even though I wasn't the writer, like I already said, it was something that we had really had on the inside of us of saying, you know what, we want to pass on 
some of the blessings and the things that we've learned in our years of marriage to the next generation. So I guess from that aspect of leadership, we were thinking we could keep it to ourselves or you can share it to someone else who is coming up to show them the mistakes you've made, the, the, the blessings and the benefits that you've received from some of the things that you've just applied for your life. And if it can help someone, that's what it's really all about. Yeah. And I think as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I always felt that success without a successor is failure. And while it's nice to have someone speak into your life, it's always better to have something that's written down. It is. And it's like um, a good recipe. Yes. And that's the exact thing. Because so many times with us, our recipes go to the grave with our grandparents. And this is a way for us to take that recipe for marriage and for relationships and even for leadership. Because marriage is a form of leadership. You have certain roles and responsibilities, and you have to learn how to understand your role and respect the role of the other person. And so I think it's really the highest form of leadership. Wow. You know, you're right. That form of leadership began in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And do you reflect sometimes on the fact that he placed in the hands of humanity the institution of marriage and from that he placed in the hands of humanity our lord and savior jesus christ and every biblical character that leaves us now an example as to how to live when you look at it that way what do you draw from then saying the marital code to oneness i am humbled and honored and feel that being married is a responsibility and a privilege. Because I think so many times we think of marriage as something that we get, we are, we're enjoying, but we don't think about it's giving back. And so I, I look at it, when you look at the, the model of the, being in the garden and you look at Jesus Christ and you look at marriage, I feel that marriage is the epitome of the masculine and feminine of aspect of who God is shown to the world through two people. So I feel that being married is such a gift. And and, and I look at it from the perspective of it's a servant's position. Yeah. You know, even though you're leading just like our Savior did, he was always serving. Yeah. And even in a marriage, you have to model that same example of always trying to serve your spouse, whether in your family from a leadership position as a, as a father and, and the leader of the home, I am the first servant mm-hmm. of that, that mantle that he's given me. Renee, how well does he serve? Oh, my goodness. And when he said that, Gil has, you know, sometimes people are, when we were dating, people said, oh, he's too good to be true. I think that Gil was, God created him with a servant's heart. So at the heart and the core of who he is, what you see is what you get. And he has, we always talk about outserving each other, but I think that he outserves me. And so he always challenges me to be more of a servant because he is the ultimate servant. That's so cool, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that is. That is. Our, what is the greatest challenge that you've ever given him to serve? Our daughter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Children. Children. I think that um, everyone has growth areas and strengths. And for us, parenting is our biggest growth area. And I think that serving another adult is a little bit easier than serving a child. And so I think that that would probably be our biggest challenge was serving our child. And, And I have to piggyback on something she just said, because Renee makes it easy to serve her because she is the epitome of that prosperous, that virtuous woman that is always looking to do for others. And that's something that I I identified early in our relationship. Even as we were youngsters, she was always looking out for not just herself, but other people. And as I see that, and it's grown in our marriage. So she makes it easy to serve because that submission comes from just who she is. And when uh, now I got to ask this question, you said that the way you met is that she had dropped her pencil. Did she drop the pencil or did she throw it on the floor? And you know what? I, I think she she kind of 
eased it off the edge of the table. <laughs> you know, he kind of rolled it off the edge. You know? She wanted to see how well a, good a servant you were. Right then and there, I was already serving. I had to pick yeah. up the pencil, you know, but but she was leading me to serve her. So I don't know if that was premeditated or or what, but she was already leading me to pick up the pencil and I didn't know it and I thought I was initiating things. My godmother taught me you have to make men think that it's their idea. And so I made it his idea that he was serving me but really i was just really trying to get his attention <laughs> and, and and the rest is history as they yeah. say absolutely yeah give me your definition of leadership in a marriage you've already started talking about it but can you just unpack that even more about this servitude you know from a leadership position to us or at least for me is like i kind of already kind of started with was that servant's position of I'm always thinking, how can I do or what can I do to make the lives of those around me, not just my family, but even in everyday life, better? You know, whether it's something as simple as, like you just said, picking up a pencil or doing something that takes my time, my effort and my energy to serve them, to make them better. You know, I think when you can use your resources with this time, effort and energy to make someone's life a little bit better that is always going to be a blessing to them, but it's also going to be a blessing to you because it's going to teach you things about yourself that you didn't really know were already there. You know, if you want to work some things out in your own life, you have to start from a servant's position. And those are, seems to be the make the best leaders. And I would say, I would say that the best leaders are good followers. And so I think that the way I've learned to better lead is by learning to follow because I believe that the way I follow others will be the same way people will follow me. And so I think that in a, in a marriage, in a family, in a business, you have to lead by example. And you have to also understand the value of following others because it's a seed. You're going to reap what you sow. Renee, the, you use that word follow. The scriptures also use that word submit. Yeah. And that word a really um, rub many women uh, the wrong way. How do you help them understand, submit, follow, servant from a biblical point of view? I when, see it. Uh, Ephesians 5 talks about that. I see it as liberty because God created us different and God created us as women to be the more delicate version of himself. And so I don't, I think that in order to be, I always say that she who is flexible is not easily broken. So I don't see submission as a bad thing. I see submission as the freedom to be female, the free, the freedom to be soft, the freedom to be kind and gentle and still be strong. So I don't see submission as a bad thing. I, I think that it empowers me to better execute my roles and responsibilities and not try to be in the roles and responsibilities of my husband. When women ask you about that and they press you and say, well, you know, Renee, that's good for you. You've been married 37 years. You have a genuinely um, 100 husband in Gil. What about when he's not Gil? How do, what's the code to oneness then? I think it goes back to even if I were not married, I'm still who I am. And so I think that you have to make your decisions not based on the person you're married to, but based on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's who we all have in common. So when we find our identity in Christ, we're submitting to God through our spouses and not just to our spouses. So it's not about who you're married to. It's about who your, who your Savior is, who you belong to, who you identify with. And if that's Jesus Christ, that creates a sense of equality for all of us, regardless of who we're married to or single. The same dean that I raised earlier um, is the dean that also interprets or helped us to interpret um, Ephesians 5 and following. And he raises the issue that, as well as uh, Peter, in terms of how one should uh, react to one another in the marriage unit. And he says, the issue is authority. Mm. It is not submission, but do you know how to understand God's authority? And as, as you said, 
if you understand God's authority, you submit to his authority. The man just happens to be a part of that authority. Exactly. They get to be the recipient of God's blessing. They're not. Because I always believe that we have to not put the responsibility of our our joy, our peace in a person. People get to benefit from it, but it really is to the Lord. Our worship, our responsibility is to Jesus, not necessarily to our spouses. They get to just benefit from it. And I think as as the man, if we start remembering exactly what you just kind of described about the authority that is just we're in that that lane of exercising the authority here in the natural earth, we should respect it from a position of we're not the authority. We're mm-hmm. just exercising what's been appointed to us and given to us for a brief moment in time. And unfortunately, sometimes men, we can abuse that authority that has been given to us in our households because we are maybe a little bit full of ourselves, you know, and we haven't really adopted it or embraced that leadership role and understanding that it comes from the servant's position. Yeah. And that we're, I, I think another part of that is important to understand that we're all servant stewards. We don't own anything. It belongs to the Lord. So when we look at marriage, when we look at a, a company as something that's entrusted into our care versus us being owners, it changes our viewpoint and it changes how we approach it because it's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. It absolutely does belong to the Lord. And I come, when I think about that, I also think about how the scripture says that the woman is the weaker vessel. Mm -hmm. And I always help um, men in saying, if you look at the conjugation or of that verb, uh, of that word, if she's the weaker vessel, then the next thing from weaker is weak. Mm -hmm. So he's weak, she's weaker, Mm -hmm. and only God is the stronger. Exactly. And that's a beautiful way to look at it. And and us as men, we don't see ourselves as weak. And even if we do, sometimes we want to masquerade it behind the bravado and the things of thinking we have it all together at different times because we don't want to show that vulnerability that we all need to have, knowing that our help and our, our source and our strength and our authority comes from our Savior. Now, that's the leadership in a marriage that's going okay, pretty good. How do you show leadership in a marriage that is absolutely hurting? We deal with so many couples who are hurting and who have lost their way. And we always go to the starting point is examining where is Christ? Because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added onto us. We're prone to, we're prone to drift. And so when people don't keep Christ in the center of their marriage, it's very easy for the marriage to become um, a source of contention. And we just believe that there is no such thing as marriage problems. There are people problems that you bring into your marriage. And so we always get back to the root of who is Jesus? How are you worshiping? How are you praying? How are you spending time with the Lord? And because they, a lot of times the couples that we've worked with, they never think that has anything to do with it. And one of the things we always kind of express to them the our creator who invented the the household and the the institution of marriage, I think he knows how it is supposed to work. Yeah. You know, so that's the first place we always want to point them back. We always kind of try to get a sense of what is their relationship with the Lord like? Because if they have been doing things on their own in their own power, that seems to be the point that we always see comes up is how did we get to where we're at? You know, and they always focused on the things that they knew how to do in their own power and their own strength and their own ability. And when we point them back to God first, it puts a whole new perspective on their viewpoint of marriage from even from the beginning. So when you talk about that and you point them back to God, and of course, we know God is the originator of marriage. He is the one that created it. And therefore, the Bible is the manual by which we go by. This awesome book that you guys have written, Our Marital Code to Oneness, you have extrapolated scripture and story and lives and experiences. What are some of the things that you would share with our listeners uh, to I lead right now to say, okay, here are the one, two, threes that you need to dig your way out of a difficult, hurting marriage, not out of the marriage, but make it a better marriage. 
I would say the first one would be really focusing on where your your relationship with the Lord. And then I think the second would be how are you communicating? Mm-hmm. And in in first verse, we wanted to thank you just for being a part of the whole project. And I know we probably are gonna get a little bit into that, but even from that essence of helping people understand those three principles that Renee has already, or the two that she's already given, we want to start them out with understanding that you have to know the origin of my relationship with each other. Is it based on fear? Is it based on trust? Is it based on some of the common essence of what is required for just the basics of relationships? You know, so many relationships start out not on a firm foundation. They may, they're in a position of trouble already. And we always kind of point them back to, let's go all the way back to the beginning. What was it like when you were dating? What was it like from the foundation of where you began? If you began in outside of God's will for your relationship, you probably have just been building on the wrong foundation. You know, if you, you didn't start out one of, we look at it from character. We are your characters are like, do you have some of the common interests? What was it like when you were dating? All the things that you may have taken for granted, we want to start them out from the beginning. So identity. So it would be their relationship with the Lord, communication, and really having a sense of their own personal identity. If you Google marriage books, uh, the number cannot be counted, literally. Mm. What makes our marital code to oneness different from all the other books? Because it's just like the Bible says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It's not just the words on the pages. It's the people who are available to be there to walk alongside you, to create community and support because people need people. And so that's what makes our book different. It's not just a book. It's really centered around relationships with other couples. And so it's a community. And uh, and uh, application yeah. comes to my mind. You know, we there, like you just said, there's so many books out there that give you a lot of theory and a lot of principles of the institution of marriage, but they really don't give you the essence of how to walk it out in real life. You know, God has blessed us to come across 17 other amazing couples who partnered in with us on this venture. And they opened themselves up and showed us some things about their own relationship. So that person who picks up the book would say, this is a just like me factor. Yeah. I can identify with this person because I'm not alone. Somebody else is going through some of the same difficulties that I have, and this is how they solved it. And uh, and thank God that they came alongside of us because it's been a blessing. And when you read it, it's going to say, wow, I can see myself in this. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that makes it a little bit different. You know, I think of this and I was um, <clears throat> took a picture of, um, and when I think of the book and I think of the things that we're talking about, um, I did an old fashioned thing. Uh, we've had some uh, fly issues. I, I don't know why I've never had any fly issues, but just flies everywhere <laughs> in the garage and everywhere. I thought, well, you know, we're clean people. Where in the world are these flies coming from? But anyhow, right. took, took an old uh, thing that, um, like fly paper mm-hmm. laid it down. On, on yes yes yeah old school put it on on the trash can and went back later and i saw my god all these flies there's more flies you cannot see uh the paper anymore and wow. it came to my mind how is it that they did not recognize that if i land here i already see my friends here <laughs> Why do I think I'm going to be able to land here and successfully get away? Mm-hmm. I say that to say your book provides people with flypaper. Mm-hmm. You don't have to land in a situation when you see this community of people saying, this is how you are successful. Exactly. Can you talk a little bit about the community that you have created? with the app, with your podcast, with the book? It is humbling to think that two people who really, this is not our background and just God just spoke to our heart. Do it, share, 
create a place for people to come who are hurting and who want to really learn how to get it right. And so it's just beautiful to see if we would just take steps towards what God wants us to do, there are people who need what we have to offer. And so, so many times we don't see the value in our story because we really don't see the value in ourselves. And so I just think that it's just beautiful to see how God is just taking two people who are just willing to be obedient and how so many people's lives are being changed. And and especially when we came from both from broken homes, we didn't have those models of marriage or things wow. that were modeled before us that we could actually demonstrate. This was kind of learning on our own over the 30 plus years of being together. And that's what we kind of just open ourselves up, you know, even from a leader perspective, you have to be saying, I have to, somebody has to start. Yeah. You know, every great movement started with somebody saying, I'm going to do something about it. I want to make the change. I want to be the catalyst to get it started. And when we said that, we didn't know it was going to turn out this way. We just said, we want to volunteer to say, okay, we'll go out in front and this is what we want to do. Is there anybody else out there that (laughs) wants to partner in with us on this? And God says, oh yeah, I got somebody, <laughs> you know, and, and he showed up and, and it's been amazing to look at it as it unfolds. I'm a hurting couple. I need community. How do I tap into what you all have created? I think the best place is the web, our website, because everything is there. Um, our website is richrelationships.us. And we use social media and the podcast. And so the website is probably, I always say it's our home. It's where people can go to get connected and get more information. Mm-hmm. And and the same with the podcast. You, on any media platform or social media platform that, that shows podcasts or plays podcasts, they can find us under Rich Relationships with Gil and Renee. And we'll pop up or just like you mentioned a little bit earlier in the episode, just Google Gil and Renee rich relationships. And we're probably going to pop up and you can link on to us from there. Yeah. Everywhere I turn on my social media, <laughs> Gil and Renee pops up. <laughs> Every- we feel the same about you, Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's a good thing. It yeah. is. But you never I, know I, how God can use social media to really touch people. People have to watch about seven or 10 times before they react. So we have to be relentless because the enemy is relentless. And and we wanted to take this opportunity just to thank you personally. Yeah. You know, we we were thinking about this project. And when we came up, you were one of the first people that popped into our mind. And you so humbly and graciously uh, wrote an awesome dedication in the book. And we when we read it, we brought, brought the tears and we yeah. were like, wow, this is amazing. And that's just echoes how you are as a leader that you would stop and help someone that like you said, we were in your church and because your church is so large and you have so many people and we know you're so busy that we were just humbled that you just stopped and said, you know what, I'm going to help them too. Yeah. So, so we do. want to thank you and First Lady. It's been amazing just to have you in our lives and just been a blessing. The feeling is mutual more than you know, and you have to be, uh, as you already know, um, leadership is very humbling (laughs) because you look in the mirror and you see god people are responding to me right and i think if one does not begin the day with that dose of humility Mm -hmm. then you're not going to lead well in your home or outside of your home It is our hope that you have been inspired and informed to be the leader that you want to be. To ensure that you are able to lead in any room, go to iLeadAcademy.net and enroll today. Now, let's return to our broadcast. I used to say to my daughter, um, Mahogany, who is the children's church pastor now. Yeah, we're so proud of them. And my son, who is the young adult pastor. And uh, when they were little and we were stationed in Germany and I would see my son, oh my God, he just latched onto his big sister. <laughs> Anything she told him, it was fact. It was <laughs> truth. And I said to her one time, I said, your brother responds to your leadership. Yes. You treat it well. I said, don't, 
if he's responding, if anybody does what you say to do, that's something you have to hold dear. That young lady at about 10 years old kept that in her spirit. Mm -hmm. And so it is with the book. You have left these tremendous pieces for the body of Christ. Can you share with the listeners some more pieces about what they're going to get when they get this book? And they absolutely need to get this book. Oh, my goodness. Um, We just got it back from the publisher. And so it's completed. And so she said, I want you to listen to it. She's so wise. And I am so humbled by the power of unity and God's spirit in the writings. All these people are in different places. They don't know each other. And the the cohesiveness of the stories and the uniqueness of people sharing stories about diverse families and um, divorce and uh, blended families, worship. I mean, there's so many different topics that are really going to help people to really, like you said, see themselves, but also see the power of God and see the power of application of his of the Bible and his principles. And so it's 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 pretty amazing. And it's so. And what's another good thing that's so amazing about this is we are in the the information age. There's so much information out there, but. We don't we don't suffer from a lack of information. We suffer from an application of the information that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly Good. what this is. These people have opened up their lives and, and in this book said, you know what? We're going to give you our story, but we're also going to show you how we dealt with it. Right. And, and some calls it, to action. Yeah, some calls to action to where you can take it. And even if it if it's something that you never thought about, just try it. Yeah. At least you have a starting point. You know, for that couple that is in that struggle or that that downward spiral in their relationship and they have no idea, we tried to break this book out in such a manner that you can go to it. You don't have to sit down and start at the beginning and go to the end. You can say, hey, I'm struggling with our finances or we're struggling with roles and responsibilities or. I don't understand worship. And, I mean, and it covers all those topics. Yeah. And it covers everything. You know, the sexual relationship, all those are in there to where you can at least say this is a starting point. You got to start somewhere. And that hopefully that's what this will do for any person who picks it up. When you say, and that's a jewel, that's a gem, uh, that that morsel needs to really be eaten over and over again. When you talk about the the abundance of information, but there has to be application. And to that end, when I hear you talk about one of the key things, communication, but then um, sex in a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would you say, Gil, uh, what would you tell every woman on how to please her man? Gil? Whoa, you just put me on the spot now. On that one. <laughs> well, Renee is coming, so <laughs> she, so she could be thinking. Renee's <laughs> ears have been perked up on that one. I know what you And she, she thinks she knows what I'm going to say, but she probably is going to be right. You know, I I look at it from the standpoint of even in a sexual relationship, how to please her man is is servanthood. You know, when we have those intimate moments, we have a little thing that we do and we'll expose ourselves a little because we do this all the time is we try to outserve each other, even in the sexual relationship. You know, when I think of her and I'm putting her needs ahead of myself, and thinking about what is going to not only pleasure her, but give her enjoyment through the whole experience, that is something that drives me to want to exceed her expectations of what she even thought was going to happen. And it starts before you even get to the bedroom. It starts first thing in the morning. It starts when you don't even think it matters, whether it's a, just a good morning kiss or I'm thinking about you throughout the day. You know, you you may have heard it say women are like crockpots and men are like those electric skillets. We heat up really, really quick. Guys, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Guys, we have to start at the beginning of the day. And, and the last part I would say is, and all those points expire at midnight, which means you got to start all over. Every day. Wow. Wow, that's good. That's <laughs> good. Um, well, Renee, you've had some time to think. <laughs> okay, yeah, put her on the spot now. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Same question, but it's for the man. I feel that women are not naturally as sexual as men are. 
And so I think that, and Gil always says that everything falls back on the man. So I think that I follow his lead. And so I think a lot of times women react to sex based on the cues from their husband, especially in our culture. I can't speak about other cultures. I think that we're more sexually inhibited. So I think that I've become more sexually expressive because Gil has taught me how to. And so I think that as women, we have to realize that it's something that they need and that they desire. And so as we think we want to be married to a man, we have to understand that that's a part of the relationship. And so it's just, again, it goes back to submission. It goes back to wanting to serve and wanting the other person to enjoy being married to you. It's not just sex, it's intimacy. And so those two things together, because you can have intimacy without sex and sex without intimacy. And it goes back to realizing that you need to connect the two. They don't just want to cuddle, ladies. They actually want to make love to you. And so you have to mentally, physically, you know, prepare yourself for that. And even just the way you look, you know, the way you smell, you know, just caring about yourself. All those are a part of the Process. marital sexual relationship. When it comes to that, um, and we talk about the leadership of that, even in the um, in the boudoir, uh, mm-hmm. bed is a holy and undefiled. Uh, let's press this uh, further in terms of how one leads in these moments. You've been married 37 years. Uh, I assume you did not get married at one years old. <laughs> and that means that you are in uh, midlife right about now, possibly. Yeah, 52, 52 or 53. 53. Yep. And so then... Um, sexuality and intimacy starts to change then. What do you say to um, couples who are now in their 50s and 60s and 70s with respect to how do we now lead and serve each other even better? You know, I, I think about as we have gotten older, the physical aspect may have diminished in certain aspects from the sexual relationship. But one thing that has really awoken in me as I've gotten older is having a better understanding what the intimacy is like, not from the physical intimacy, but from the emotional side of the intimacy that I have with my wife now is so much more gratifying, even then from the physical aspect that I thought from my youth that that was the end all to be all. You know, and as I've grown and, and matured in my years, I've realized or come to understand that women really, really identify with the emotional aspect of the, the relationship, you know, and where I have focused so much on the physical and trying to please her and try to meet all of her physical needs. And really, if I had to say it, if I really started out trying to meet the emotional needs, but the physical needs would have been out of this world, probably. Wow, Renee, how do you come back with that? <laughs> I, I just, I love, because Gil used to always be so introverted and quiet. So it is just so beautiful to see how he has blossomed and learned to express himself with words. And so I think that that's something as we've gotten older that has become very attractive to me. And I think that as you, your body changes, especially for women, our bodies change chemically, you know, uh, the hydration of our body changes. And so simple things like being prepared, like we talk about men touching you, women, there are certain products you, you need to be using so that when it's time for him to, when it's time to be physically intimate, intimate you're not, your body is not dry. So there's things that we need to be doing to keep our bodies lubricated. There's things we need to be doing to make sure that it's not a bad experience. And I think that those are the kind of things we don't talk about. And so while physically, you, you know, you may not have the same uh, frequency, you can, it can be just as enjoyable if you take the necessary precautions to make sure that you're real about the fact that you're not 20, you're 50. And it can still be beautiful and enjoyable, but you have to do things differently. And be more creative. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be more creative um, in all of those areas. I often uh, I, I say that um, it's two things that I, in my pastorate, I have found that people would rather I uh, nor any pastor really do a whole lot of talking about, and that's money and sex. Yes. 
Because we think it's bad. I know for me, I, I, I was taught it was bad. You know, you don't talk about it. And to me, when you don't talk about something, you're saying it's okay. And so I think that we need to be more verbal and we need to be more transparent about sex and intimacy and money and, and even different things that are going on with people psychologically. You know, there's a stigma with getting help. And I think that that's what I, another thing I think that this is important to do to help people to realize you're not alone. You need help. Talk about it. You know, because I feel that whatever you don't talk out, you're going to act it out. That's good. If you don't talk it out, you're going to act it out. Our marital code to oneness helps couples talk it out. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it helps couples talk it out. We're almost at the end, but I have a couple of more questions that I want to just kind of drill a little bit deeper on with respect to the marital code to oneness. How does one then talk it out when one is an introvert and the other is an extrovert? And I recently read, um, I, I'm, a, um, I'm an adjunct professor for um, leadership at North Central University, and I was teaching this class on um, leadership, strategic leadership. And the particular course we were in, the book we were in, saying you do not change your personality. Your personality is what it is after about five years old. Okay, if that is true, how then does one talk it out if one is naturally an introvert? And that it actually hits really, really at home because like Renee said, I'm the natural introvert in our relationship. But one of the things that they have to remember is if you are a natural introvert or even an extrovert, you have to get tools and skills and then apply those tools and skills to be able to establish that good communication and things like that. Uh, one thing that you can actually try is assertive language. When we have and we work with couples, we always tell them you have to start out with an I statement, something just that simple. I have a problem, whatever that problem may be. When you say it from your perspective, not the other person, I have a problem. It starts the communication process because you've done some self-examination to really work through what is it that is giving me internal conflict, whether it's with my spouse or a subordinate or someone in that I just am have in my everyday life, I have a problem. And when you start it out that way, it opens up the lines of communication and then the, the active listening part. And I think a part of it is understanding that there are going to be different communication styles. And so you have to understand that normally introverts, they need to process, they need the time. And normally extroverted people want to deal with it right now. And so I think a part of in the marriage relationship, when you have two different personalities, which is the case in almost every single marriage, you have to learn to understand the other person's communication style. And I think that's a part of the serving is realizing this other person is not like you. So while I may have wanted to talk about it right away, let's talk right now, you, I would always say, I'm now, he's later. But a part of marriage is learning not so much to change, but to re be willing to grow. Yeah, be willing to grow. And I oftentimes say to couples, do you want to be married to you? Oh, mm. we ask that question all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be, do you really want to be married to right. you? Well, first of all, that's homosexuality. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, that's a whole nother issue. Yeah, that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> and then the second of all, then you probably committing suicide. Nobody needs yeah. to be married to you. He, he didn't right. design it that way. Well, we're, we're at the end, but I, I want to just give you the opportunity um, to really, to the listeners, when they're looking at resources, when they're looking at, we've got to get better. We're going to get better. Why do they pick up our marital code to oneness over against um, a more popular book, Five Love Languages? Not throwing any shade right, on right, books because right. those are very good sources as well, resources. Why, why do they pick up our marital code to oneness? I think it goes back to what you said in the beginning. We have neglected the craft of writing. And so from our culture and from our perspective, there are very few people in the marriage space who look like us. And so we're going to have different 
issues and different experiences that other people, so this, there are people of color and there are people who are not of color, but I think we need people who look like us to talk to us about the things that we go through. And so that's what makes us a little bit different because it is, it's based on the Bible, it's based on application, but it's also based on real people who look like you. And I think that's a big part of what we've not had. And it's written from the perspective of, we're here to help. We don't want anything from you. We just want to offer you an option, something else to think about, something that you may have overlooked or even something that you may have neglected. And it's a, a point of this is way the way we see it from not just from Gil and Renee's perspective, but from 17 other amazing authors who decided that I want to share, too. Yeah. And they were available for Zoom calls and couples getaways. And so we're not just writing a book. We're rebuilding a community around the whole idea of rich relationship so that people can really develop that and see what it looks like from to sit back and watch it and then to be around other people and be in the community. And lastly, we always tell a lot of our couples, you are unique. Your situation is not. Somebody else has gone through it. And this may be the answer that you're looking for. That is excellent. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to add value because that's what I hear you saying. You just want to add value to others. I'm going to give you the opportunity to add value to um, the marriage ministry at New Life. Uh, First Lady and I are thinking about this. We don't know whether we're going to pull it off this year or not. We're finishing out the quarter, uh, kind of re- um, scheduling things because, you know, we, all of us started out the year thinking there would be one thing uh, <laughs> is a whole nother thing now, but we have this great idea of having a zoom dinner Oh, wow! and everybody, uh, fixes dinner. You bring the device to the table, uh, candlelight, and then we share, uh, the meal and all. I'd love for you guys, if we do this, I'd love for you guys to be our special guests. Oh, that we would be would amazing. Love we would that. love to do that. We would love to do that. If that if that's our heart to, heart's desire is to really reach people where they are, because I think this is the new normal. Yeah, that I will. I got to give that more thought. I, I yeah, believe okay. it would bless yeah, our leaders. Yeah. Uh, I would bless our listeners as well. And to the, our listeners who are a very diverse uh, listening group, um, I do believe that they would also benefit. Though, oh, it's for everyone. Though, for the, though you may not be um, African-American tradition, you may not be Hispanic um, or anything, I have found that the more I broaden my horizon, yes. the better I am. And I do believe that there is a distinction in the cultures. Yes. It absolutely is. I raise this and then we'll close with the final question. Um, in doing research for um, my doctor of ministry, I found that um, there's a tribe because I started a church. My first church was with a young lady who was not my wife. Um, her husband wasn't a preacher and first lady wasn't a preacher, neither at that time. But I had this idea that we would have a co-pastorship, and everybody thought that strange. But then we found in my research that in the African-American tradition, there are some Eastern tribes that had that type of uh, co-leadership in the African-American, African tradition. So I said that to say um, our marital culture is very different. Mm-hmm. It's a partnership. Um, it's not a competition. No. And coming over on the slave ships, uh, we had to partner to survive. Mm-hmm. And so to all of my listeners, please know that you will learn from our marital code to oneness, no matter your tradition or your background. Here's the question. Here's the question. Um, that everybody uh, on iLead Podcast have to answer. You guys ready? Uh, Okay. Let me brace myself. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How do you lead in any room you find yourself in? For me, I'll start out. I'm an observer first. 
I think before I can lead anyone anywhere, I have to get a sense of what's going on with the room that I come into. You know, I think if I walk in thinking I'm assuming that I'm the smartest person or the leader in the room, I may find myself in a position of I'm not. So I'm going to observe first and then take action based on what I see. Renee, I'll code it over you. And the way I lead is by empathy. I look for people who look alone. And those are the people I try to connect with. Because I think that sometimes the people who are the less, who are less likely to be noticed are the ones who have so much, can add so much value. So I think I just, I lead by empathy. Empathy and then observing, you know, I, I tell you, this is uh, this has been so awesome. Um, we're going to have to have you be a part as special guests uh, to bring all of the various things that you can bring to the table from the app to the website, to the book, to your experiences. Um, I lead listeners. You have to get this book. I strongly uh, recommend it and endorse it. I was honored to write the foreword in it. Um, and this couple, Gil and Renee, they will add value and they will take your marriage from just an average, okay, with struggling to a whole nother level. Gil and Renee, thank you for being a part of I Lead Podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so for having much. us. We appreciate you. Kiss um, Lady, Lady, Lady G for us. <laughs> <laughs> I will. She just was in here taking my picture. Oh, oh great. great. <laughs> so um, Jeff and Mahogany, we love him too. Thank you again. All righty. After listening to today's podcast, I'm sure you're ready to be a leader in any room. To learn more about how to become the leader you are called to be, enroll today in ileadacademy.net. Until next time, remember, with iLead, you can be the leader in any room.